Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Let's say it's 3 p.m. and you're just pulling on to the 110 north on your way home from work. You're fiddling with the radio, trying to tune in to ESPN for some brilliant chatter. When you suddenly realize you're going about 35 miles an hour and you've just changed lanes, no signal, uh, and you've pulled in front of a semi who's doing about 70 miles an hour. And you hear the air brakes squeal and your ears start to burn as some guy with 20-inch biceps disputes your ancestry and sort of swerves around you. And boy, you think, as your heart slips back down into your chest from your throat, some people have no tolerance at all. And going up the next grade, the semi, same semi, begins to have trouble keeping up with traffic. You're sailing along, doing comfortable 60 miles an hour in rush hour. You're looking in the rearview mirror to see how your new shades look. He pulls in front of you, doing about 40, giving you a chance to get a better look at his chrome uh, plates on his wheels than you'd really like to have. And this marvelous opportunity to discover if you can really stand on one's brakes and change lanes and lose your religion all in the same moment. It works. You realize that that day had kind of gone the same way, the whole day, really. Later that night, your youngest son calls for the third time in the year and asks to borrow $1,000 to pay his overdue rent. He's calling you from the cell phone that you bought for him, and you still pay his calling plan, and When he's calling you, he is driving in his newly leased Jeep. How he got that, I have no clue. You get to bed and the text for your bedtime devotional turns out to be from the Lord's Prayer. Jesus teaching us how to pray in the Gospel of Matthew. And the words for that evening are these. Forgive us our trespasses or debts, as we forgive those who trespass against us. However it happens, huh? we come face to face again and again with what might be, I think, one of the most difficult things in Christian faith. I mean, what does it mean? How is it possible for you and I to practice forgiveness? I mean, really. It seems like a nice concept. We pray it together almost every week. At least maybe you mumble it. But it's not practical. And I just don't feel like it sometimes. And as of Jesus' first teaching on the business of forgiveness, which was not in our lesson for today, but in those verses preceding our Gospel 
text for today. If that wasn't enough of a teaching on forgiveness, where if somebody offends you, you have to go and meet with them, and if you can't get it right, then you have to go with someone else, bring a witness, and you tell them how they've offended you. And if you still get no resolution, then you take a whole group, and on and on and on, this teaching of forgiveness. If that wasn't enough, now we have Peter, you and I, standing before the throne of God, And we ask in all seriousness, Lord, how often must I forgive? I mean, like, give me a number. And I'll tell you if I can get there. And the answer is given clearly. You forgive as often as it takes. As often as you are asked. And many times even when you're not asked. Now, Peter, of course, thought he was being generous. He was brought up in the Jewish culture and religion. And he was brought up with the rabbi's wisdom on forgiveness and the testimony of the Word of God throughout the ages. It was agreed. And this is how it went. If someone sinned against you three times, you should forgive them. But if you got your toes stepped on the fourth time, you could get out your stomping boots and take it to them. They had it coming. And not even God would expect anything different from you. In fact, they were quite sure that even God's forgiveness had a few limits on it. Like God, God Himself could only take so much. So Peter, hearing his rabbi's call to forgiveness, doubles the rabbinical and the Torah limits, and he adds one. And he says, well, how about if I wait until about the eighth time they step on my toes? Suppose that. Then can I give the so-and-so what he deserves? And Jesus answered, no. You keep on forgiving. (laughs) You keep on forgiving, and you keep on, and you keep on, 7 times 7, or 7 times 70. Don't get hung up on the math. In other words, Jesus says forever. Forgiveness has no limit. Now, simply put, that means then that a large part of our business as Christians is forgiveness. I know we like to have events and fellowship. And I know we like to visit the sick and help the poor. And I know we love to conduct ourselves in culture as treasured children of God. But a large part of Christian life is forgiveness. For those who want to be more like Jesus, who want to be like our rabbi, who want the world to see Jesus, we're to be a people who forgive. I would go so far as to say that there's nothing more distinctive about Christian community than those who are seen to be forgiving. There's no bigger statement to be made out there in culture than, wow, You see how they 
forgive each other? And I dare say that nothing's more difficult to do. Yet nothing is more simple. Forgiving can be a heavy demand, but not forgiving can ruin your life. Let me tell you, I've seen it. I want to tell you about Jimmy and Wayne. I only changed their names to protect the innocent. They were brothers and best friends growing up. And in their 30s, there'd been a kind of falling out between them. And I remember sitting across from Wayne on the occasion of his brother's dying some 35 years later. I was now his pastor in Montana. And hearing this big man from our congregation say to me, No, Pastor, I won't come to his funeral. I wouldn't walk across the street to see that man when he was alive. And I certainly won't drive 500 miles to attend his funeral. What a way to live. When you've been hurt, forgiveness is not an easy thing. But it changes others. It changes us. And that's the message behind this story of the Old Testament story of Joseph and his brothers, huh? Uh, They intended some very bad things to happen to little Joseph. But it turned out that God had something bigger in mind. They came with this false confession, this sort of fake ask for forgiveness. And still, Joseph said, I'm not going to hold this against you. I've got something bigger to do for God. Well, today our gospel story that Jesus tells is pretty clear. You might not like it, but it's there. He tells about the master and the servant and that we are supposed to forgive when we're asked. Now, that's not always the way forgiveness is issued or forgiven or given, but in some cases it's a transaction. If I do this, will you do this? In other cases, it's simply therapeutic for the giver. But it is the proper response to a brother or a sister who repents. The temptation, of course, is to sit back and sigh with relief. Well, that lets me off the hook because nobody's coming to me asking for forgiveness. Now I can go on despising her with God's blessing. No. Jesus isn't that easy on us. He begins this training on the the business of forgiveness by saying that if your brother sins against you, you go to him. That's your clear obligation. Even if we're in the right, our obligation is to be loving, not right. To be the one to seek reconciliation and repair to clear the deck, to begin again, to let the one who's hurt us know how we feel. I mean, your spouse can, can't ask for forgiveness if he or she doesn't know how they've wronged you. What's the matter? Oh, nothing. <laughs> kind of makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up a little bit. 
children slamming the door on your way out of the house. It's not nearly as effective of a communication tool as you think it is. In today's portion of Jesus' teaching on forgiveness, we're reminded that repentance may or may not be part of the the story. And here's where the going gets tough. I mean, most of us have been taught, at least subliminally, that forgiveness is a kind of sticky sentimentality. We read instructions like forgive one another from your heart in our Gospel text for today. And we read that doggone story in Genesis of the original dysfunctional family. You know, that great musical. We write musicals about it. Joseph and his amazing technicolor dream coat. And we laugh and we play with it. But think about how profoundly difficult that scenario is. We remember and we recite the prayer of Jesus where we ask to be forgiven but in the same way that we ask to be forgiven. And one easily gets the idea that a Christian is a kind of a doormat for the world. A sort of walking crucifixion waiting for someone to come along and drive in the nails. And nothing could be further from the truth. Any of you remember... Any of you old enough to remember the old comic strip? Any of you remember what a comic strip is? <laughs> or how about the particular one I'm thinking of is Andy Cap. And Andy's wife, Flo, takes Andy back over and over and over and over again, even though he never gives the slightest indication that he's going to change a thing. That is not forgiveness. That is stupidity. (laughs) Christianity takes sin seriously. Real forgiveness takes sin seriously. It recognizes sin for the killer it is. Demands that it stop. That things change. That the offender recognizes that they've done something wrong and they change their behavior to just go into it again and again and again and again is to beat yourself up. That's just stupid. So what does it mean to forgive someone from your heart? Well, it doesn't mean letting them off the hook. And it isn't about the math. 7 times 7 or 70 times 7, whatever. The number may be very vague in the Greek. The bottom line is forgiveness in the life of a follower of Jesus has no limits. It's not the same as forgetting. Like you could just wipe the slate clean in your mind and never remember who offended you or how it happened. That's not forgiveness. This is a difficult teaching I think one of the most difficult in all of Scripture. Are we really expected to forgive anything that someone else does to us? No matter how horrible it is? It seems so. I think it helps to know that in the Aramaic, which was the language that Jesus spoke, the word forgive is shavak. Which literally means Send it down the street. 
cast it away. Get rid of it. Unload it. Now, I know we tend to think of forgiveness as something we do for someone else, like letting them off the hook, but I wonder if Jesus isn't primarily concerned here about his disciples. Like if you want to live a finely tuned life, let some stuff go. If you want to get your spiritual head on straight, send it down the block. This crud that other people do to you. Send it packing. It's an act of the will. It's a matter of the heart. And for our own sake, and it's for our own good, it's a journey of faith. It's a decision. And it can't always be done quickly. But I just don't think we can ever continue on the journey until we keep that on our spiritual agenda. I know it's on mine. Because when we allow hate and a desire for vengeance or fear, when we allow those things to reign in our lives for some time, we get diminished as human beings. We're robbed of our peace. And that person who has wronged us gets to keep having a say in the state of our souls. It's not right. To forgive is to send the wrong packing. To send it down the road, to let it go, rather than to allow it to continue to encumber our lives with negativity. Remember the story of Nelson Mandela? I heard him tell us. He spoke about the day of his release in South Africa after spending 26 years unjustly in captivity. And he, he said this. He said, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. I think it should also be said here that it seems to me that there may be some situations in our lives that are just so horrible and so painful that we just can't muster forgiveness. We just can't find it within ourselves. And I think we need to be honest with that. And we take it to God. Even Jesus did this. Think about it. He says, Father, forgive them. As the nails are put into his hands and the blood starts to trickle, as his last breath starts to be breathed, Jesus' prayer is to God to say, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So let's go back to that freeway at 3 in the afternoon, rush hour. Welcome to my life. You see, the problem with most of us is that you and I understand all too well why the trucker ought to forgive us when we cause a problem, but what we have a hard time doing is forgiving him when he slows us down. 
Our problem is the problem of the unmerciful steward in the story. That's why most of us don't like that story. In the end, it boils down to motivation. To forgive from your heart, you have to have sufficient reason. And Jesus says, here's your motivation. Your own debt. In the story, and in that day, 10,000 talents, that was the sum. That was an enormous amount. If you translated that into today's dollars, it would be about $50 million. That's what he was forgiven. And when he goes out and shakes down his peer for the amount they owe, that amount equates to about 20 bucks. Doesn't that make the story even more enormous? We forget that sin is not just what others do. It's our specialty. (laughs) You and I are great at it. And we too owe a debt. Think about all the times you've spoken harshly to someone you love. Think about the things that you've done in your life that you don't want uncovered, you don't want anyone to know about. Do you remember taking that shortcut at work or hedging just a bit on those numbers on your taxes? Do you remember enjoying someone else's embarrassment or their pain? My wife reminds me of this often when I chuckle a little bit if she were to stumble. I said, I'll help you up, but I'm going to laugh first. I mean, think about the failures in your life. Then multiply it by 12 for the months of a year. And then multiply that number by all the years you've been alive. And you begin to understand what Jesus meant. And if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, we begin to understand how it is that you and I can forgive those who trespass against us. We can, we must forgive as we have been forgiven. So in the long course of human history, folks, there's been only one man Only one human being, as far as I know, who did not himself owe an unpayable debt. And that day, as he was nailed to a tree, and the blood start to release from his body, he prayed, Father, forgive them. Before forgiveness was even asked, before we knew that we'd done anything wrong, Now, maybe we can begin with the small stuff, like the freeway. But then perhaps it becomes part of our life in a way of sending down the street the things that are bogging us down. Folks, remember that this same prayer, Jesus is praying for you and for me still every day over and over and over again, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Jesus prays this for you and me. And so how often should I forgive my brother or my sister when they sin against me? (laughs) Well, it's not about the math. It's about forever. Amen.
Glory be to you, Heavenly Father, through Christ our Lord, who with the Holy Spirit reigns eternally, one God, now and always. 